Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. And my guest today is Jennifer Adcock, the designer of The Price of Coal. Welcome, Jennifer. Hello. Thank you for having me on. Oh, certainly. Uh, can I ask you a question? Yes. What is The Price of Coal? So The Price of Coal is a storytelling RPG. Um, it's all card-based, uh, no dice. It's, it's a very straightforward narrative game about the Battle of Blair Mountain, which is a really often overlooked event in labor history in the U.S. What is the Battle of Blair Mountain? So in August of 1921, uh, coal miners in West Virginia went on strike and martial law was declared in the region over three counties. Uh, and when they rose up against in protest of this, this injustice that they should be permitted to strike, uh, the United States government dropped leftover bombs from World War I on them. On American workers? Yes, right here in, in the US. So you're saying that our government dropped bombs on workers because they went on strike? That is exactly it. And that, it's pretty horrifying. That blows my mind. Are they ever do anything like that to workers? <laughs> all seriousness, though, like labor history is full of military and police being used against workers who were fighting for their rights. I mean, people who said, you know, maybe we shouldn't have child labor or, you know, can I have an eight hour work day <laughs> on yeah. <a> weekend? <laughs> Yeah, and one of the things that's most striking about this is the degree of force used. I mean, even just the fact that I can use the phrase leftover bombs from World War I is pretty horrifying in and of <laughs> itself. Um, and the battle went on for, for over a week, and they are actually still in that region excavating um, unexploded bombshells. Now, I, I believe it, I was in the Marine Corps, mm -hmm. and we would drive over like Un, un like ordinance that was not had not been detonated yet that stuff was scary sometimes that stuff's yeah. left out there it can go off that'll that'll kill you you don't want your kids running around or anything else like that going over one of those things in a humvee is like i would be scared that would to be death. scary yeah <laughs> i was scared to death I was like, I don't absolutely know this humvee. but here this is like in our backyards like in people like around where people lived and stuff like yes. that so what was the dispute all about? Like, how did this happen? So tensions had been rising for, for quite a while. The, this was, I guess, sort of the culminating event of what's called the West Virginia Coal Wars, uh, which spanned over 20 years as conditions frequently deteriorated in the mines. There would be events where uh, there would be mine cave-ins because safety precautions weren't taken, even though workers had been warning the management, hey, this shaft is not safe. This is not reinforced. This is going to collapse. And sure enough, they did. Um, and one of the inciting incidents is that a pro-union sheriff in the region, um, he was killed in cold blood by Pinkertons. And he had been such an icon and such a beloved local figure um, that it, it inspired them to, to strike and to make their, their statement known. So a lot of our listeners may not know who the Pinkertons, want, who the Pinkertons were or are. Uh, who, who were they exactly? 
the Pinkertons <laughs> at the time, the, uh, the locals called them company gun thugs, <laughs> which is quite honestly still what I would call them because the Pinkertons <laughs> are still around. Uh, they were basically private militia or private mercenaries hired out by companies um, to be union busters, often at gunpoint. Um, for example, in these company towns where the company, the coal miner, uh, the coal company in this case, they would own all of the housing, for example. Uh, so if you lost your job, they would also send Pinkertons around to evict you and your family. So obviously they were not popular. <laughs> Uh, and the Pinkerton Detective Agency is still around, is actually, I think, currently under contract with Amazon, if I'm not mistaken. Shocking no one, I'm sure. And they've moved on to a bit more of a digital surveillance mode in the 21st century. Yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day, like when I walked into the bank with my mask on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've thought about that too, where I'm like, wait, this is weird. <laughs> I, and I walked in there, I was like, you know, they don't. They don't care if I wear a mask to the bank. No, they don't need that anymore. They don't need my face to get me with cell phones and all the technology. It's like yeah. the digital has a lot of power more than True. being able to sketch someone's face a hundred years ago. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It can get far more accurate with your mask on. <laughs> yeah. So this is, in my opinion, this is a great idea for a role-playing game. Thank I'm a you. big I'm a big role playing <laughs> fan. I've been saying for man, we need to have role playing games about the industrial revolution and all this stuff that happened there and, and, yeah. and all the coal wars and stuff like that. I've been saying that for years. In fact, I've had a lot of my campaigns that I've made in fantasy worlds mirror some of those real world conflicts because there's a lot of really good content there to pull from. Yeah. And I mean, part of my inspiration for the game. So I learned about this event, not in school. None of this was ever covered when I was in school, of course. Um, why would they teach us labor history in school? Don't be, <laughs> don't be silly. Uh, but I learned about it and I was kind of indignant that I had never heard of it before, that no one in my life had heard of it or knew about it. And I wanted to make people aware of it. And RPGs are my medium. So that is, that is the tool that I use. That's great. So tell me a little bit about the game itself. And as you said, it's, it's diceless, correct? It's, it's yeah. card-based? Can you tell yeah, me it's about all card-based. Uh, so players will play, actually, uh, the thing that I, I love that's so unique about the game, uh, uh, players play two characters in the game. You play a coal miner and you play a family member or loved one of a coal miner. Oh, cool. Because I think that's a really interesting angle to explore of how like these issues, they don't just affect the workers, they affect the entire community of these places. Um, so you play two characters on your turn, you draw a prompt card, uh, which will have something like, you know, an issue that has arisen in the town or in the mines as a result of these horrible company practices. And maybe some of the characters at the start of the game, maybe they're a little more reluctant to strike or a little bit more, they wanna keep their heads down, things like that. And as things escalate over the course of the game, um, it's sort of reaching that point of no return where you realize either they're going to listen to us or we are going to make them listen to us. It's that we're, we can't go back now. So it plays out over the course of a year. So the prompt cards um, are separated by seasons. It starts in the fall and then it ends with the battle itself. This isn't going to be like, like a traditional role-playing game where you just roll up and make up any <laughs> campaign that you want to do. No, you, not so, so much. I, I wanted to really capture a lot of specificity in this game. 
Um, because I think, because it's such a, it's both a time period and a place that a lot of people aren't going to know a lot about. I didn't want people to feel like they had to go read a bunch of textbooks to play this game. So I wanted to give them everything they needed to in order to play. So have you been out in those mountains? Yes, yes. It's beautiful <laughs> to, to drive through, a little nerve wracking. Um, and we've also, uh, so I did a coal mine tour in Lackawanna, Pennsylvania, um, oh, cool. which is also very illuminating. Yeah, tell us about the coal mine tour. Like, I mean, it's kind of a dungeon. <laughs> it really is. Like, it's, you, you know, you read about it in a book and you think, oh, it's cold and it's cramped and it's damp and it's loud. But then you go down there and you're like, you, you can't just convey it through text. It's, it's, it's honestly, it's kind of scary just being down there, even in like modern with everything is all perfectly maintained and it's, it's all, you know, clean and safe because it's, it's a tour for tourists. Um, and it's still like, you can imagine working in that for a 14 hour day, a 16 hour day for company script that you can buy a loaf of bread with maybe. Uh, and it's, it's horrifying. I don't know if I can imagine. I worked at the steel mill for 12 hour days and that was rough enough on me. Yeah. I'm just not a fan of that, but that's some brutal, hard labor and it's really dangerous. And I mean, the kind of stuff that was going on back then, like, like we don't think about it today. A lot of times, I think a lot of workers aren't having yeah. like where the boss is going to take a gun and shoot you if you don't do what they want you <laughs> to do, but that's what was literally going on. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, one of the one of the common sayings at the time was, you know, the bosses would get more upset if a mule died than if a man died because it was more expensive to buy another mule than to hire another miner. So I want to go back to those hills a little bit. You said mm -hmm. something that I think was interesting is that a lot of these places where this stuff happened, they've been they, they've been clear they are tourist attraction -y type places. I know mm -hmm. there's some places in Kentucky where that's like they hold festivals and, and big yeah. parks and stuff there now where those where all this stuff was going on. The coal industry, even recently, they had a big old, uh, I don't even know how that turned out, that recent dispute that was going on where they were where the workers were refusing to turn the uh, coal The one on. in Alabama, right? I was that where it was? Yeah, I think that was the Warrior Met coal mine in Alabama. And I, as far as I know, that's actually still ongoing. I don't know that they've reached a settlement on that. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. I never, I haven't heard anything about a settlement. About, but essentially, from what I understand, they were not letting the coal through essentially until they got mm -hmm. paid. Was that yeah. the situation? Yeah. So they had agreed. The miners there had agreed to um, essentially take a pay cut several years ago in order to get the mine to be solvent again, um, and then the management and and I, I could be misspeaking here. I haven't looked at it recently. I believe the management never went back and raised their wages again to what they agreed to. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> especially there, like, so I have, uh, I, I have family out in those hills and mm -hmm. folks uh, that I've married into. Um, I, I'm not from that area, but I know a lot of folks who are there. So we spend, we go out there quite often. I think we were talking before we started recording mm -hmm. about my, my issue with driving out there. Is, <laughs> <laughs> I have, I'm not, I'm not a fast car person. I like walking places. <laughs> yes, I get yes. a little bit of anxiety in cars here and there, but especially out there because at night and you come around those roads and those hills oh, yeah. and those mountains and it twists and winds. 
And folks who grew up out there just fly through it like it's nothing. I'm just like, oh man, we're smacking the side of a mountain. <laughs> I feel like it's it's like me being in, in Buffalo driving through a blizzard. I don't really think anything of it anymore, but I'm sure, you know, someone from from Texas or whatever driving through a blizzard is going to be losing their mind. <laughs> yeah, you can't see the other side. And sometimes those hills, like, it's just like, there's nothing. You get up there, it's like, yeah. is there another side to this? Oh, there it is going down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's something else and that's a, a long history there a lot of those folks who like i know folks who were who were involved in a lot of those struggles and stuff back in the day and, and organized with workers back then and worked in those coal mines and they remember it like they hold on to that history it's important to a lot of those folks they've told me they've taught me a lot yeah. it is it's a different world sometimes than what a lot of other folks are used to yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's it's sometimes it's wild to think that it was only a hundred years ago was the Battle of Blair Mountain. That's actually part of why we wanted to do the game when we did was in that centennial moment. Um, you know, this was not hundreds of years ago, and we're so far beyond these issues. This was in people's grandparents' lifetime. Oh, yeah. Like my grandparents, you know, actually, no, my grandparents were <laughs> my great grandparents. Right, I think my grandparents were born in the thirties. Oh no, they oh, kept yeah. it then. Uh, my grandmother's born probably a little earlier than that on one side, but that's a, that's a side track. I, <laughs> we just had a grandparent discussion in a recent episode recorded earlier today. Too. <laughs> All comes back to grandma. <laughs> yeah, always. respect your elders. <laughs> so. I got another question that's kind of off topic and I'm going to ask about, about, I know you play role-playing games. Oh, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I love to play all sorts of things. Um, I actually, so I started playing RPGs when I was only 12. Um, My brother wanted to learn how to GM and he didn't want to embarrass himself in front of all his cool new college friends. So he used his little sister as a guinea pig. That's lucky. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, So I started with 3.5, played a lot of D&D over the years. Um, And then over time, I learned about all of these great indie RPGs. Uh, Like one of my favorites that was a huge inspiration for The Price of Coal is Red Carnations on a Black Grave, uh, which is about the 1871 Paris Commune. Oh, and it's another, yeah. So it's another one of those sort of like dark historical RPGs uh, that covers a lot of that sort of leftist history. Um, And that was sort of like what opened the door for me mentally to be like, hey, I could make a game like this. And what was that called? Because I'm going to have to track that down. I didn't know that Oh, existed. you for sure. Oh, it's great. It's called Red Carnations on a Black Grave. Red Carnations that on a, on black, a black Grave. grave. Okay. <laughs> I had to write that down. Everybody I forget. highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to have to look that up. I've not, I've not heard about it. The Paris Commune is fascinating history. There's oh, a absolutely. Lot of, a lot of folks died there. A lot of folks passed away there. Yeah, I actually, I got to meet the designer of that game, Catherine Rahman, at a convention, and we joked about making uh, our own little niche of the sad leftist history games. <laughs> <laughs> games where there is no happy ending. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of poor working folks and poor mm-hmm. folks trying to, trying to, trying to eat and get by is what, is, is what the history is. It ain't like, I don't know. Some people make it sound like something it isn't, but it's just poor folks struggling to get by is what that history is. And it's really what it all do. comes down to. It's everyone doing their best to get through another day is to, to put food on the table and make sure their families are safe. 
I mean, it is the stuff that are that a lot of games are made of. Like, like these people have to struggle and fight against this big, horrible dragon who hoards gold. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not too far from the truth of what we see. <laughs> one of one of the things we joked about while we were designing the price of coal was the obligatory cosmic horror Cthulhu expansion. Because really, capitalism is the true cosmic horror. <laughs> I can appreciate that. <laughs> We're getting a little more political here than we normally get. So y'all have to bear with us for a minute. But it is the topic of the game and it's a cool game. The art's really neat looking. Can you tell oh, me about yes. some of the some of the art on there? Yeah. So we um we we looked a while for artists who could do that sort of um realistic charcoal type of style. And we found um Jacqueline Florencio who is incredible. She was great to work with. And from there, it was looking at a lot of reference pictures from that time, um, finding this, this whole trove of these old public domain photos from newspapers at the time and things like that, because you know the, these events were covered by the major newspapers of West Virginia and outside of it. Um, and finding reference and seeing, you know, how can we portray the, the breadth and the scope of these people? And who they really are. So I'm I'm just curious, what medium is she using? Is that digital or is she doing this it by hand? It is digital, yeah. Oh, it's got a very like like painterly feel to it all. It's it's yeah. very nice and very appropriate for having that old style, old style. Uh, I don't know what I'm looking for. That kind of. It's it's um, nostalgic. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Nos yeah, nostalgic. It's got a nostalgic feel to it. It's very much something from the past, and it works and where there's there's lots of areas where there's lack of color so it's like almost monotone black and white but then there's pops yeah. of blues and purples that just bring the color out i like that i like the, the too, i like yeah. that in some of those it's and it was funny because we were thinking about you know okay the charcoal type of art style or or charcoal looking i should say um you know it is very black and white and that is often very that's what we think of when we think of the past, but we didn't want to just print the game in black and white and have it look kind of ugly and dull on a shelf. One, we wanted it to look beautiful. And two, with that cover art of the mountains, we wanted to show how beautiful that region really is. Yeah, and those, some of that, like I, I, like this here looks like, it looks like there's fire going on in there. Could, yeah. you, could you talk about some of that? <laughs> uh, yes, we, we went through a couple different drafts of what we wanted the cover art to be. You know, we knew we wanted those beautiful mountains kind of disrupted by the violence of the event itself. Um, and we settled on these fires rising up through the, through the trees in the forest. In, in one of the initial versions, I think we had like a little aerial bomber in the sky. And we, en <laughs> we ended up taking that out just because it was hard to parse with the text and everything like that. Um, but it's that sense of, you know, you have this beautiful stillness in this region being completely disrupted by this horrible violence. When you looked, when you were, when you're putting this together and looking at this, like, what did you do for the, like, when you're coming up with the characters or when we're coming up with the characters, what, how, what's the approach to that? Are they historical figures are we coming up with someone new how do we so there's there's 12 pre-made characters with the game um and they're all sort of paired off in sort of uh relationships like you know you have this young idealistic coal miner who's convinced that he's gonna make everything totally work out and his young wife who is like please god just get home safe at the end of the day 
Um, <laughs> and they're all very inspired by true stories, but they're not necessarily unique to any one person in history. I mean, you know, how many times has that type of relationship played out through labor history? The please God, just get home safe at the end of your shift. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know that just from working at like a steel mill. I remember Absolutely. one day I was up in there and they had this, when I say a basket of steel, this basket was like, <laughs> like, like, I don't know, like you have to have cranes to pick this thing up. <laughs> and those things had to be chained to the wall and someone hadn't chained it down. And as I was trying oh, to get no. steel out of there, if I didn't see it out of the corner of my eye, just then instead be able to jump out of the way, that whole thing would have crushed me. That would have been the end of me. Yeah. And you're talking about where I'm just talking about a bit of steel. These are like an entire mountains coming down on you. There's yeah. no coming back from that. And a lot, like the amount of guys that died in that stuff, I'm sure I don't know. I don't even begin. Can't even begin. I've only heard stories from folks I know out there and from things that I've read. Yeah. I could, I, it's not a job for the claustrophobic. That's what I, I've, that's one of the biggest things I'm like, you could never do it. Like you can, one of the most consistent themes in the, in the men talking about this is you can feel the weight of the mountain on top of you. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be scared. I never did it. No, my father-in-law did. And he keeps a, he keeps his helmet. He, he did when he was young in his twenties and he managed to get another job outside of the coal mines. Yeah. And that helmet's in his living room and he keeps it there. And he says he keeps it there to remind him where he's got to go back to. If he can't make it outside of there, he's like, talking about how he never wants to go back. But his, his, you know, his whole family, that's what they did. Yeah. Generation absolutely. after generation, they worked and lived in those mines. And folks was poor back then. I had, you know, I've known plenty of people like this whole region I live in experienced a, a massive amount of uh, diaspora was that the correct term yeah. mm -hmm. from those hills and those mines as as things were getting depressed and stuff down there and folks started coming up to here in southern ohio yeah and a lot of the folks you meet in this region were were originally from those hills so people that ended up here working at like gm and and the, the and uh the car plants and UAW workers and stuff like that came up this way for those jobs in these little towns in Southern Ohio and throughout here. But you tons know, of folks uh, have. It's actually funny you mentioned that one of the events in the game that can come up on one of the cards is that uh, there are workers striking in Ohio and the, uh, the companies there are actually recruiting in West Virginia to get scabs. And you're, the, the player characters have the option of, do you go scab in another state to try to get some extra money for your family? Or do you say to your principals and, and say, no, I'm not going to cross that picket line? These guys up here, didn't, they, they, did, they didn't take that stuff lying down. They, it was serious oh, yeah. to them if you were going to scab. Like those, absolutely they they'd show up to that line it's like this this place is shut down we got the contract we're supposed to, we're the workers here and oddly enough the steel mill out here i know one of the original organizers who put the union together there was an old wobbly uh, but that was 100 <laughs> years ago and <laughs> and those guys even, even into like the last couple of decades they'd show up to the picket line and these were like second amendment gun toting fellers that they're going to mm -hmm. bring their guns to the line and and they're going to those scabs coming up they're gonna they're gonna take it on and it's the kind of thing you know <laughs> yeah absolutely it's it's, it's, it's a livelihood. very fraught history yeah 
I think most often throughout history, the workers weren't on the winning side. <laughs> it was a, it was the guns were often sent after them when they were blocking the way. Like, oh, no, you're that's an illegal thing is to block the way to the workway. So the law wasn't on the workers side at all. Oh, yeah, not situation. at all. You hear about an occasional sheriff who was back in the workers out in Appalachia and stuff like that. But it's not the norm. Right. Exactly. It's the exception. Have you seen the movie Heart? Was it called? Is it called Harlan County? Um, I'm not familiar with that one. There is, um, there is a a movie about the Battle of Blair Mountain called Matewan, um, and I think it had uh, James Earl Jones in it. I've heard of that. I've, yeah. I need to watch that. I've, 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 I've been need... trying to track it down, but it's not on streaming anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. Um, my I mean, who doesn't love James Earl Jones? No, I, I like. Him. <laughs> I'm a fan. Um, yeah, Harlan County is good. It's not a, a film like mm-hmm. scripted. It's a documentary okay. about one of the coal, uh, and I think it might have been on HBO recently, HBO Max. Mm. I'll have to check that out. Uh, but it's about a, a, a strike essentially, and it's a really interesting story. Uh, was it the coal mines? Oh, it may have, yeah. And uh, it's about a strike, really interesting movie, fascinating, very much the same kind of thing going on, but yeah. nowadays. Now, in reality, I don't know how long coal is going to keep on being as big of a thing as it was, and we're probably mining a lot less coal, I'm assuming. I would think so, yeah. Yeah. Over to fracking and other things are going on now, so it's a different Yeah, we found new ways to destroy the environment for energy. (laughs) Is there anything else you can add to the story of... Of the uh, of the Battle of Blair Mountain and the folks there that you can let our listeners in on that could perhaps entice them into wanting to play the game. <laughs> I would just say that it's it's a really interesting exploration of what people will do when they're pushed to the brink, um, when they are so beaten down and so um, so taken advantage of by these systems that don't protect them. But there's also a real story of hope there because it's also about how people take care of each other. It's about how a union takes care of its own. It's about how the community takes care of each other. Uh, so it's, it's while it is a tragic story, it is not a hopeless one is what I would say. I think a word that some folks like to use for that is, is solidarity. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> there is, there's, there's a, the old song, which side are you on? Yes, a that? classic, a classic, yeah. Uh, and if listeners, if you aren't, I'm not going to sing it because I am not a good singer. <laughs> 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 Which side are you on, boys? That's how it goes. And uh, I, uh, my my spouse has a story. Their family was involved in, I guess, the incident the night that song was written. They knew the woman who wrote that oh, song. Wow. And essentially what it, I, I feel bad telling the story because her story, she tells it great. But essentially what occurred was they had sent union busters after the workers. They knew they were striking. They went to their houses and they were running out into the hills, hiding in those hills. And those folks weren't familiar with those hills like the people who lived in them and worked in those mines. And they hid out overnight. And while, she, while those workers from the mines were hiding from, the, from the, the cops and the union busters gunning for them, trying to kill them, essentially, she wrote that song that night which side are you on and she tells the story much better than i do (laughs) it's a point of pride i think within her family they tell that absolutely it's one that comes up at at a thanksgiving dinner here and there (laughs) when you get together well 
we're about coming up on time. I'd like you to appreciate if you tell our listeners where they can yeah. find the game. Is it going to be available for, for, for a purchase yeah. outside of the, cause you, you didn't get a chance to back it. Yes. Uh, you can actually still pre-order it on backer kit. If you missed the Kickstarter the first time around. Um, and after that, once it ships, which we are fingers crossed, hoping will be this spring. Um, it will be available through Indie Press Revolution, IPR, uh, and you can order it from them through your friendly local game store. Excellent. Excellent. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to getting to it. I'm going to be looking in the mailbox. I'm glad. Yeah. Come spring. <laughs> We're definitely going to have to play the price of coal. It looks cool and I can't wait to get it in my hands. I'm so glad. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a great conversation. Very enlightening. Yeah, this was lovely. <laughs> As always, if you enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review. Share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hailcrom. We now have a Patreon. It takes some money and time out of our own pockets and, and schedules. So if you can support us and you enjoy having a daily role-playing game podcast, please do. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, keep those dice rolling. <laughs>